Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Why is it that sometimes we would love to hang out with people we know are horrifying human beings? We always have an odd one in the crowd. So it's kind of odd. It's decidedly odd. Doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd? No, it doesn't strike me as a little bit odd. It's the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. The stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Now, here's the Oddcast. So I guess everybody knows that succession has uh, come to a conclusion. It's, uh, it's over. I was very early on watching the show. After three episodes, I almost said, I can't watch this. And here's why. There are famously no nice people in the cast. Well, the cast as human beings are nice, but the characters are horrifying. Each one is worse than the other. You keep looking for somebody to pull for. There's no one to pull for. They're all a bunch of backstabbing rats. And I have right now, and, and I want to get to something about the appeal of this show and some other shows, and maybe your life, the appeal of hanging around these people. I want to start out, this is right off of CNN's website. They collected some of the best lines of one family member cutting another. And even if you don't, even if you don't know the characters, just stay with it. You'll appreciate the artistry. Um, Greg to Tom about Logan. He's just moseying, terrifyingly moseying. He's wearing sunglasses inside. He looks as if Santa Claus is a hitman. Connor <laughs> to his siblings. The good thing about having a family that doesn't love you is you learn to live without it. Roman to Waystar Studios head Joy. Ah, Los Angeles. It's an incredibly involved, ruthlessly segregated city you've built here on a geological fault. Um, Tom to Shiv, this is husband to wife. I think that you're incapable of love. And I think you are maybe not a good person to have children. That was right <laughs> after she became pregnant. Roman who doesn't to, wait, who doesn't love that? They named the character Shiv Shiv. <laughs> like I, I, I adored it. I adore it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Chevron, I think, was the, the long version, but they, that's all they called her was Shiv. Roman to his pregnant sister, Shiv. Is it mine? <laughs> He's such a rat, a little rat. Matson to Greg. I thought you were the backwash at the bottom of the gene pool, but this is something else. Logan to Carl. Carl, if your hands are clean... It's only because your whorehouse also does manicures. Oh. 
um, Kendall on a conference call. Well, little Lord Fuck Leroy has joined the call. <laughs> oh my. It's a good nickname. <laughs> that just uh, cracks me up. Shiv describing her mother's female reproductive organ. Cold and inhospitable. That seems to check it out. <laughs> Tom DeGreg, I'd castrate you and marry you in a heartbeat. Ew. 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 Um, you and to his brother, Logan. The Logan Roy School of Journalism? What's next? The Jack the Ripper Women's Health Clinic? <laughs> uh, Hugo to Shiv about Tom. What is it like being married to a man with two assholes? <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll, I'll wind it up with this one here. Jerry to Roman. You're pathetic. You are a revolting little worm, aren't you? You little slime puppy. And it was like that for episode after episode after episode. And yet I'm sitting there and part of the appeal, of course, is these people, you know, it's based on the Murdoch. Uh, they're incredibly rich, incredibly powerful media family. They've got hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and it's all on the line and they all want to control it. But there, and, and there's not a lot of good about any of them, as I've mentioned. And yet, you get drawn in and you kind of would like if it were real life and you were all of a sudden inserted into a movie, they're so interesting and they're so glib. You kind of would like to hang out with them a little bit. And I felt the same way about the Sopranos and people would go up to, uh, to, to get and, and they would say, Tony, I love you. I love you, man. And he would say, I play a psychotic murderer. Are you kidding me? We'll continue with more. I want to continue on this line in just a moment. Stay right there. It's Bob and Sherry. We're back with the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. And we are talking about uh, actually two, using as an example, two television shows, uh, The Sopranos. And then also, well, we could actually, we could actually make it three, Seinfeld and uh, Succession where all of the characters admittedly are really not very nice people. I mean, even in Seinfeld, they said, you know, none of us are really nice people. We're very selfish people. And yet when you watch these shows, if you become an aficionado of one of them, and I was of all three, you kind of liked it would have liked to hang out with them a little bit. I mean, I don't want to kill anybody on the streets of Jersey, but those guys ate such great food. They were so funny. They had such attitude and they didn't miss a trick. Why, why is that, that, that we want to be around miserable people? I think it's human nature to be um, fascinated by the dark side, especially if you yourself are not a person who is unscrupulous or amoral. Yeah, like we're all flawed, right? Anybody mm -hmm. can be a complete clown. But mm -hmm. unless you, if you yourself are a pretty decent person who plays by the rules, you get up every day, you go to work, you take care of your family, you do your best. Yeah, your best mm -hmm. is kind of crappy some days, but you're doing your best. There's an attraction to people that don't seem bound by conscience or rules or morality. There's a fascination with watching what 
it looks like when people just do whatever they want. I think consequences right. be damned. And I for think me, you the, are right. the family in succession, what what I always thought um, watching was this is a great like object lesson in why you shouldn't covet generational wealth because it poisons the well for generations. And there's a chance that what you'll get in exchange for that wealth and that incredible apartment and those understated flawless cashmere clothes, you'll, you'll have to trade your soul for it. And that's what, that's what succession always made me think watching it. Like, yeah, I like watching these awful people just stab each other in the back. Um, and I'm glad I'm not one of them. I'm glad my life didn't play out that way. Yeah, but there's still that appeal of um, wanting to sit outside of the pork restaurant in Jersey and, uh, get, you know, get a little suntan while you eat this delicious pork sandwich with these guys. And they all have a smart mouth. I think that's part of it. There's there's just a fascination with watching some people with a smart mouth and clothes that are kind of over the top. When I was a kid, and so a teenager actually, when I was a teenager and my father got mobbed up and was um, breaking the law right and left, um, I was the only person in my immediate family that was repulsed by it. His sister... The, the the idea that you have proximity to power, that you know a secret, that mm -hmm. you're on the inside of something, even if it's something disgusting, mm -hmm. that is really appealing. There's something about human nature, and I'm not sure what it is inside of us as, as creatures, where we're attracted to that. And, you know, there's always, there are the people that do the evil, and then there are the people that don't actually get their hands dirty, but they facilitate the evil doing. You can see mm -hmm. this all throughout history. The, the Third Reich was a classic example of this, right? And then there are the people that enjoy the fruits of the evil while holding themselves separate from the actual doing of the evil so that right. they can justify it to, in their own heads. And I watched all of that play out in my family, all of it. And it was really, it was really upsetting to me as a kid to see adults that I loved being so caught up in stuff that was so freaking gross and wrong. Yeah. But there's an attraction that we all have to it. And it's like my attraction to the Sopranos was, I, you know, I want to come to Sunday dinner. I want to be invited when Carmen mm -hmm. and Tony cook out in the backyard. Like I, I mm -hmm. want in on that. The food is good. The conversation's great. It's fun. But I also know um, too, too well that you can't stay too close to those kind of people for too long because right. you can get compromised in the blink of an eye. You know what I think you, I think you touched on it just a few minutes ago. Um, part of the appeal, whether it's uh, the Roy family or it's the Soprano family, part of the appeal is these people live without normal rules. They are in essence freer than a lot of us. And, and I was reading about um, beatniks out of the 1950s when Allen Ginsberg was writing Howl and hanging out with uh, Kerouac. 
who wrote On the Road, of course, and Marlon Brando, who would show up late for an audition and wouldn't even uh, bother looking at the script, give him what he had and then just walk out and didn't give a damn whether or not whether or not anybody liked it. There was a certain freedom that these people said, we totally reject American norms. We don't care what you think of us. And back in the 1950s, that was a harder thing to do. <laughs> when Eisenhower was president, you know, it was just a much more white shirt, straight lace sort of society. To say that, uh, you know, I'll bathe when I'm going to bathe. I'm going to crash on a friend of mine's couch. I'm not going to have a house. Um, I'm going to borrow a car that may or may not be mine. Um, just leading this bohemian lifestyle that was wrong in many ways. And yet the appeal for people to watch Brando, to listen to Ginsburg at a, at a coffee house and to read on the road, the appeal for straight laced people was very, very strong because they, they may be wrong and may be naughty and all of that, and way more than naughty with the Sopranos, but they are living free. And I have to get up every morning, put on the uniform, and go off and be told what to do. Yeah, it's like you're living a sucker's life. Yeah. Um, you're playing by the rules. And these people, I, I can tell you, again, you know, from being close to it, there is, the, you know, there's a reason why the bad guys are often the most popular characters in the movie because they're having a better time. And yeah. there's something attractive and appealing about breaking the rules and being in, on the inside and having a secret. And, and I think that people sometimes get there's there, you know, there's always the brains of the operation but there's always ever one brains of the operation and then a bunch of stooges that actually do the dirty work. I think right. sometimes, and we see this a lot when we do morons in the news on the regular show. I think sometimes people who are not really bad, um, not evil and not necessarily really criminal or sociopathic. I think they get caught up in things and they become the stooge who mm -hmm. does the dirty work for the brains, of the operation, because mm -hmm. it's so like mo that whole moth to the flame thing. It's so appealing to be close to something that's forbidden. And it's hard to walk away from something that is giving you great pleasure. Like um, there, there were many scenes in the Sopranos when um, Mrs. Soprano knew exactly what was going on at the Bada Bing Club. But she would never really bring it up. And that was a different it. code. That was a different it code. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Carmilla whole different Carmilla would never code. would never really bring it up. And if push came to shove, she would protect her gangster husband. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, she I mean, did, she, she loved was... the house and she loved the Mercedes Benz. And the travel with her friend to Paris. Here's the thing. Everybody, when you talk about Sopranos, everybody talks about, you know, Tony and Polly Walnuts and Big Puss. And Carmela was every bit as morally compromised as a character. She was. Just yeah. because she didn't have literal blood on her hands. Right. Right? That, right. you know, oh, well, you, you want to make excuses for it. She knew full well what the what was. And she was absolutely 
on board. Did she like the fact that Tony was, um, as she put it, with his hooers? No. She understood that was part of the deal. She knew he was a killer. She knew he was a thief. She knew he was a con man. She knew he was a psycho. And yet, that was the price she of admission the for the lifestyle. Yeah. Right. She liked the power, but when she went to lunch with the other girls, they all knew who was the number one female in that whole oh, yeah. universe. And she liked and that she, very much. And she knew that her, she knew that she did not, none of that was really hers. And there's a great scene in The Sopranos that shows you the the foundation of the deal with the devil that Carmela made. Can I guess After, what you're going to say? Can I guess what you're going to say? Which scene mm-hmm. it was? Is it the scene where uh, the daughter, uh, Meadow, wants to get no. into Col- Columbia and, and no. Carmela takes takes a lasagna to the admissions officer who's saying no? No. Mm-mm. Here's the scene. Big Puss has um, become a rat. He's become an informant. And Tony finds out. So Tony takes Big Puss, his best friend from childhood, out on the boat. And he kills him. He assassinates him. And with the end of Big Puss, um, Big Puss's wife, Angie Bompensero, suddenly finds herself with nothing because every all the power, all the wealth, everything came through Big Puss. So Carmela goes to the grocery store oh, and yeah. she's wheeling her buggy around. There's oh, yeah. a, a, a woman handing out samples and Carmela looks and the woman looks and they, their eyes lock and it's Puss's widow, Angie. And Carmela makes some kind of half-baked excuse for, oh, I've been meaning to call, blah, blah, blah. And the two women are looking at each other. And everybody knows everything. Angie knows that uh, Big Puss has probably been murdered by Tony. She can't say anything to Carmela. She doesn't dare. Carmela also knows that Big Puss has probably been murdered by her husband and that Angie has been reduced from being, you know, the glamorous mob wife eating at Vesuvio's anytime she won at the fancy restaurant to handing out cocktail weenies at the grocery store. And Carmela knows full well that um, she can be silent and complicit or she can hand out cocktail weenies. And we all know how the choice got made. Well, she went back to her husband and she said, I need money of my own. We don't know what's going to happen. I need money of my own. And she, and she uh, builds a spec house with her father. You're exactly right. You're exactly yeah, right. She so, saw what the future could be and she decided to hang on to what she had. And yet she still has, she still has brunch with, with uh, the local priest, you know, and, and, and that keeps because, up that front. That's what makes Carmela one of the most fascinating characters on Sopranos. And Edie Falco yeah. gave such the performance of a lifetime because right. when you look at Polly Walnuts and Big Puss and um, Tony Soprano and Johnny Sack, Christopher, they're gangsters. They're gangsters. They're not ambiguous characters. They have made a deal with the devil and they're honoring that deal. But Carmela is a morally ambiguous and ambivalent character. She right. is 100% every possible shade of gray. And she has to navigate every single day, every transaction from the biggest to the smallest. She has to decide how much of her soul she's willing to shave off in that right. moment. It's just a fascinating character. And Carmela, I think, is the stand-in for us, the viewer, 
because we're very attracted to these charismatic guys. I mean, they're charming raconteurs, right? We're so attracted to Tony. We're so attracted to Polly. But it's Carmela who shows us what the price of that attraction might be. And you know, the attraction to guys like that goes way back because when Bonnie and Clyde, the real Bonnie and Clyde, were terrorizing the countryside of the Midwest, there were people pulling for them, mm-hmm. pulling for them to pull off, and they were murderers. And when they were finally, if you've ever seen the movie, when they were finally uh, killed, and I don't mean the original one with Warren Beatty, the, the one, uh, what was the one? With What's Faye Dunaway? No, no. The one that was recently on with Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner. I can't, I can't remember. It'll, it'll come to me in a minute. Um, after they're, they're mowed down by the G-men, their bodies are, are brought into the local town and people are running up just to touch the dead arm, just yeah. to touch the blood of, of Bonnie. Highwaymen, that's the name of the movie. It's a great movie. Um, because they were in, you know what it was back then during the Depression? These were people that said, yeah, we ain't got nothing either like you, but we're going to go get something. And they lived like kings and queens, even though they were on the lamb. And I think there were certain people that just said, once again, these people are wrong, but boy, they live, they live a free life. They're free and, and I'm not free. And that kind of story, whether it's a book or a movie, that, that living vicariously, you yourself, you're not going to rob a bank. You're not going to machine gun a bunch of innocent civilians. You're not going to sell drugs and, and do human trafficking and all of these awful things. But there's this vicarious pleasure in watching somebody else break the rules. Because th- there's also the satisfaction of knowing that they're probably going to get caught for it, which mm-hmm. is also very satisfying. Because why should people be, it's like this weird calculation we make. Why should I have to get up every day and pay my taxes and grind this out and then die, right? Why do these people get it, get to live like this and they're, they don't care who they hurt and they don't care what they damage because you believe in your heart that they're going to get caught and there'll be justice. And they got away with it for a little while, but they ain't going to get away with it forever. Yeah. It's just the it's just the appeal of the bad boy and the bad girl. It's just always been there, I guess. Well, anyway, um, I don't know what I'm going to watch next because that, all my shows have, have finished up. Thank you very much for uh, joining us for the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We do it uh, every week. Twice a week, actually. Twice a week. <laughs> on yeah. Friday, on Friday, we'll have talking this next episode of Talking Lamar, along right. with a brand new True Weird Stuff. And this Friday on True Weird Stuff, we're talking about time travel. We have a couple of time travel stories. People who claim they're visiting us from the past. Woo! We'll see what you think about that. Thank you so much for listening to the Oddcast. You are the reason we make it. Our website is B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. We'll see you next time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening. 
Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.